God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. If I was going to say one thing, it'd be nice. Like, if, if you gave me more than one choice, like, if you gave me, like, okay, you can say three things, one of them would be nice. But if you said, okay, you only can say one thing, nice. Well, it's good to, first of all, know that information. To have whittled it down is just one less thing to worry about. Number two, it's a nice thing to say nice. It's built Dude, into not, the word. How nice would the world be if like every news headline on your phone was just... Nice. It was just like a picture of somebody getting murdered, but then it's just say, nice. <laughs> and you'd be like, all right. Yeah, Dude, right on. Every, everybody would be more chill. Everybody would be a lot chiller. Instead, it's like horror, pain, pestilence, plague, death, AIDS, poverty, destitution. Nice. All of it's saying, click me so I can make money. Click me, make money. <laughs> nice. You're kind of doing a nice, which is different than nice. I mean, I spell it N-O-I-C-E, but right, right. it's still the same word. That's noise. Noise. That's the way they spell it in England. It would be a it would be a more mysterious world because people would be like, what's going on? It's kind of like Groot. You know, like Groot just says one thing. Right. I am Groot. But then it means a bunch of things. We'd have like a thousand meanings for the word noise. Well, every little facet of how you said it, what you looked like when you said it, your body language and where you put the, the emphasis in the word would all take on greater meaning. Yeah, like nice and noise would be two different things completely. And so it'd be a hard language. English, it would make English so much harder than it is. Which is the hardest in the world. Well, it'd make it even harder than the hardest, which is like what I call my dick. The oh, really? Of the, well, there's a lot of hardness, but then it's even harder than that. You know what I call my private area? The flushing meadow. No, well, that's my that's the rear side. The front side I call the hardest button to button. <laughs> you know, that's and that's the name given. Dude, to it's it. hard to button. Dude, try to button up your dick sometime. It's so hard. It's the hardest button to button. You know what's nice? It's not what's caring the- about your horrible little dick anymore. I don't care uh, anymore, dude. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it's pretty nice. <laughs> It really is. Yeah, not having to introduce that fellow to some newcomer. I told him the other day, I said, you know what? This is probably it for us. Hope you had nice. a good hope you had a good time. <laughs> 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 so check this out. Fly to Seattle, play Gigaroo in Seattle. We land and someone in my world goes, Bob Dylan's playing that night in Seattle. And I said, Really? So I hit up our booking agent, WME, William Morris, and I said, do we? Do you guys do Bob Dylan? And they said, uh-huh. And I said, I would like tickets to his show tonight in Seattle. Is that possible? And they said, it sure is possible. However, he isn't playing tonight. He played last night. Boo. So then I see on the internet that Pedro the Lion, featuring one Mr. David Bazan, is playing a homecoming show because he lives in Seattle, 
at the Showbox, which is two blocks from my hotel. Wow. So I look at all my knucklehead band guys and I say, we should go see Pedro the Lion tonight. Hometown show. Who's coming with me? No one. No one came with me. Because they're too young. No. One of them's only two years younger than me. One of them's five years older than me. They just didn't want to come. They seem younger, though. These, I just met your bandmates. A nice bunch. Yeah. Well, they didn't want to hang out with me and watch a Pedro the Lion concert. So you went solo? So I went solo? alone. I went alone. Okay. I did okay. do it. I felt very grown up. Because I am a grown up. Bought my own ticket. Bought a little. Bought a beer. Now, here's what happened that night. Unfortunately, I saw the opener. I won't say who it is because I don't want to be mean about it. I don't want to hurt anyone's goddamn feelings. But guess what? I didn't like it. And that's not my fault. No. If you had a catalog for that was like quirky indie darling magazine fashion catalog, this chick would be straight out of like page seven. Frumpy, weird, ironic haircut. Big 70s glasses, wearing sweatpants. Zip. Uh, thin as a rail, hasn't eaten in 10 years, and could hardly look at the crowd. Did a lot of long tuning in between each song, just tuning quietly. And quiet tuning. I'll give you an example of some of her lyrics. And I'm not even exaggerating. I met you at the coffee shop. You were drinking coffee out of styrofoam. I said you should get your own mug. You said, I know I should. Every song was like that. Can you hold that thought? Yeah. I'm just going to get my service revolver Mm -hmm. and make sure all the bullets are in there. (laughs) You're going to need it. Before you go any further. You're going to need it. I'm just going to put it gently. I'm going to rest it gently on the inside of my mouth. Okay, keep going. No songs had any humor or anything interesting. And they were all just quirky. The The drummer guy had a massive ironic mustache. He looked at, he looked like page nine from the Indie Darling catalog. Nice. And they played an hour's worth of sad, boring songs. And I got to be honest with you, it wore me out. It really demoralized me. Right. And Dave Bazan comes out as Pedro the Lion, plays bass the whole time, and just did his powerful Dave Bazan thing. Yeah. It's very kind of one note. It's kind of the sad monotone, but good arrangements and real good lyrics. Great lyrics. And I would also say, even though he doesn't do anything, commands the stage. He has a power. A powerful command of the stage just by being motionless and centered and then singing those songs without any ornamentation there's very much a power to that yeah you nailed it that and and that's what it was and here's a couple of weird things about it though number one not a lot of people there crowd mostly old aging hipsters, probably Christians with ironic mustaches. Whoa. And so I didn't fit in. Is there anything sadder than an aging Christian with an ironic mustache? Yeah. Well, well, if they're from page 10 of the Indie Darling catalog, that just adds another onion layer of bullshit sadness to it. All drinking craft beer. Here's the other thing that happened. 
I was so worn out from the travel and from that chick, the opener. And God bless her. She's just writing her song. She's doing the best she can. I'm but, sure she's a fan of the podcast. But I reiterate, and I, I, I'm not going to apologize for it. I did not like it. In fact, I hated it. It elicited yeah. a visceral response for me because I thought, man, I've written 10 songs that are pretty good. I could put a band together and come out on this stage in front of Pedro the Lions, aging Christian hipster fans, and play a fucking awesome show. And this was just sleepy. I I could be at the I could be at Goodwill right now buying you know an ironic some overalls. It was just like, oh, we're real glad to be here. Tune, 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 tune. I'm scared of everything. Tune, tune. I'm like, how did you get on tour? What the fuck are you doing? Get out. Get out of here. None of these things I said. I didn't say a word to anybody. Ten songs into Pedro the Lion, I left. I skedaddled. I couldn't even hang in. I waited all that time to see him. He was playing a lot of new material that I'm not familiar with. And I skedaddled out of there. And I walked the two blocks back to my hotel at that part of Seattle, right by the public market. You know that you're familiar with that, the fresh market area. Uh, also known as the place where the drug addicts hang out. It was a harrowing walk. In fact, I was told by the runner not to walk back, but I didn't want to wait for the Uber. And it was kind of nice out. It was nice and chilly. However, it was a harrowing walk back. It was it was a heroin walk back. And that's how that night ended. You got indied. I got indied, dude. I wonder if you had gone with me, what you would have thought about the opener, and if you would have made it even five songs rather than ten, or maybe you would have been like, "Dude, let's just stay and watch the whole thing." I don't know. Um, I would have not arrived in time. <laughs> I would have gotten there right when he started. Yeah, I I'm not a big fan of going to see the opener, so yeah, I would have missed that. I did go see Top Gun with my son. I've heard it's quite good, and he's he's. He's turned into it. He's a man now. Right. But he forgot to wear pants to the movie theater. <laughs> he wears Jim Jones. Now, I think I've mentioned it on this show that I've seen an alarming number of teenagers, but late teens, like 15 to 20, that age, walking around in their pajama bottoms. I think it's a thing. Anyways, I would love to do it. I find them very comfortable, and I would love to walk around in me gym jams. That'd be nice. Mm -hmm. But I don't because decorum, society. We live in a society. We live in a thing called a society. <laughs> and I would like to maintain a modicum of decorum, a.k.a. dignity. Oh, homegirl at the show box was like, let's wear some gym jams or sweatpants, whatever you want to call them. And let's do a lot of tuning. And my three word review of that is G <laughs> F Y G F Y. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't, I don't have to hear it to know. Well, I'm going to send it to you. And I would like for you to listen to it because it was so bad that it made me feel like I was crazy. And the aging, ironic mustache, Christian hipster guys really liked it. They really liked it. 
And look, if someone out there is going, hey, man, people like what they like, dude. Don't be mean about it. But I'm just saying, it was just this whole affectation of frumpy, I don't careism. And I come from Kiss. We're going to put on seven inch boots. We're going to fucking put on studded leather. Gene Simmons boots come all the way to his knee and they are made of bones. I'm going to have a base that looks like an axe. The tip of it's going to have blood on it because my character is the demon and I slay ass and I slay fucking human beings. We're going to fly around and spit blood and spit fire. We're going to play some songs and we're going to shove our whole thing up your ass and we're going to make you love us. That's what I come from, dude. That's the muck I was born in. Yeah. That's where you were born. You were born in that muck. Guess where you can't buy Gene Simmons monster boots? Nordstrom or Target. You can't go to Dillard's and pick up some of them Ace Freely electric alien boots. Those got to be made by a strong accented sewing type person that deals in leather. How awesome would it be if this same chick with her same songs and her same band and even her same I'm looking at my feet but toony toony but how how immediately much more awesome would it be if she was dressed like Gene Simmons? Oh, how man. fucking if amazing. She, if she just be? had the monster boots just the over boots. her gym jams? Just the boots, dude. Immediately. I'm in. I think your boy might be online right now. And by your boy, I mean me. Mm-hmm. Ordering myself up some of them monster boots. I believe you can. There is a company that like remakes Kiss outfits. I do think they're quite expensive. I believe those monster boots made of bones are like 300 bucks, three to 500 bucks. You can buy the Kiss Star Child boots for 149 Okay, those oh. are the Paul Stanley boots. There are some shitty ass Kiss Demon adult boots for one fifty. Yeah, but that's these, all you need. These, yeah, these no, these are some bullshit boots. Well, you don't want that. I need the authent. Well, you know who else very popularly wore gym jams in the public sphere was David J. Matthews. He yep. was known. For, he was known to wear pajama pants and do a very quirky South African Virginia redneck stoner dancing in the early 90s that's when i that's when i toured with him i was about to say in fact you probably saw it up close and personal i never saw him wear gym jams but that was a the 90s were a time where i used to wear what looked like gym jams but were actually guatemalan baggy pants okay guad bag pot yeah (laughs) i don't want to use non-english you know most of our i think most of our listeners are english only but if you want to get authentic, guad back pot. Mm-hmm. We Which keep is... it real, dude. <laughs> we keep it real up in this bitch. <laughs> it's nice. Here's what we do, dude. We keep it authentic as fuck, dude. If we're calling something, we're using the traditional language. Out of respect. Out of respect for the people who died making these fucking clothes <laughs> the quadamons who died in the p- great pants were the 1992 and three if we if we just called the baggy guatemalan pants they'd be like they would be rolling over in the grave but when we say guad bag pant 
they feel they sleep tighter in their graves. Well, because it's also a way to save the pants. It's also like a Guatemalan prayer. Of course. Um, I love thinking about you in the 90s because it's such a character, the guy that lived off the mustard and, you know, did all this weird shit. Took the pill on 6th Street from the guy, just grabbed it out of his hand and was climbing climbing a wall to get into a club he got thrown out of. But I'm thinking about you wearing these Guatemalan pants that looked like gym jams, but they're not. They're Guatemalan what, jungle now, pants. Now, now, ask me, though, because the, the quad, quad back pant goes right down your ankle. But did your boy wear them that way? Or did your boy cut them off <laughs> right around the knee area? <laughs> so you cut them into shorts, huh? Cut them into shorts and then wore my customary American U.S. government issue military boot that you could get used for under $10. Yeah, I like thinking about I'm like how you acquired your wardrobe in these years. A lot of trips to the uh, military surplus store. And you're just browsing around looking for some fashionable digs? Mostly I wore BDU uh, pants, which I also I would cut off. You know, because those go down to your ankles as well. I'd cut those off. Mm-hmm. And those came in assorted flavors and sizes and colors. You had your traditional camo, but I preferred the black. Your boy liked the black. It's amazing to think about all the things you have owned and you have no idea where those things are now. They're no, somewhere in the world. I used to lose a lot of sunglasses. Yeah, everyone does. That's That's some axiom of existence. Until I started buying sunglasses that cost over $100. Never lost one after that. I was talking to Isabel about the first guitar I ever got because I got an AMS magazine, which is like a musician's friend magazine in the mail. And I'm like, who orders shit from this? And then I remembered when I was 12 years old in 1997 or 96, doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? I bought my first guitar, mail order. I sent a money order in the mail just to an address. Who knows if it was going to get there? Yeah. And I bought a $360 white Fender Stratocaster. And I loved it so much. It's a pretty good guitar. Who knows how many lawns I mowed? Who knows what horrible things I did to get that fucking scratch? Who knows how I even turned the money into a money order? <laughs> My parents weren't helping me. No. So I don't even know how any of that happened. All I know is I remember the exact feeling when I got that guitar. You may as well have given me the key to another better world. That's how much I loved it. And all everything I do now, I learned how to do on that guitar. But here's what's crazy. No clue where it is. No clue whatever happened to it. The memory of where that guitar ended up is simply gone. Like, oh, like you couldn't even jar it. Oh, you sold it to your friend Torf. Oh, you, it, it, you, got, you lost it at the whatever, the fucking City Stages gig. It's just memory gone. But that guitar is somewhere right now. Yesterday, I was talking to a friend on the phone. I wanted to reference Jerry Seinfeld, but my brain, <laughs> I want to warn our listeners now, you might want to fasten your seatbelts for this next section of the podcast, because we're about to hit some rough weather. So guess what my brain tosses back to me? Adam Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> He's the lesser known Seinfeld. So I say, you know, like Adam Seinfeld. <laughs> And as soon as I say it, I'm like, that doesn't sound correct. You, you know, and yeah. then I said it again, you know, Adam Seinfeld. And the friend was like, are you talking about Adam Sandler? 
I'm like, <laughs> he could go two ways. He's either talking about Adam Sandler or Jerry Seinfeld. I'm like, no, you know, Adam Seinfeld. Wow. He went down for the third one. And then I just said Seinfeld three or four times. You know, like a guy who's lost his loved ones, like in a, in a tragic car accident. And he's there by the side of the road, bleeding, family on fire. In shock. In shock. Kind of wandering down the road, just going, Seinfeld. <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> and then finally, my brain gurgles up one of the most familiar names that's in my brain. <laughs> Jerry. You misremembered one of the most famous people in the world. After over two minutes, probably, maybe a minute and a half, finally, gurgle, gurgle, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. That's what I'm dealing with over here. So you're saying you're not all that interested in my white Stratocaster that I bought when I was a child. No, I am. I, no, and what you're saying is... is is correct. There's a mountain O stuff that was important that's no longer within arm's reach. And where that is is a mystery. But but you can't remember Jerry Seinfeld, so you have more, more pressing matters. <laughs> I have a pressing matter called Bungle Brain. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, that's Jerry Seinfeld, dude. Try to try to have me come up with the name of the guy who played Dumbledore. Forget it. There were two of them because one of them split the earth, went bye-bye. Can't remember either of, of their names. What do you think about Johnny Depp winning his very public, very strange lawsuit? And by win it, I mean dragged all of his personal shit through the public sphere, uh, watched his ex-wife get humiliated. Right or wrong, I don't know. She seems pretty nuts to me. Uh, he wants $50 because he loses Pirates of the Caribbean. She wants $100 because she loses Aquaman. All said and done, he looks like a big hero. She looks like a fucking psycho. And they give him $15 million. Bye. Get out. Love it. Love it. You loved it? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love it. Hey, crazy lady. Don't try to me to your way into the public's heart if you're a crazy woman well it ain't gonna work and me too's over so it ain't gonna work i feel like that was the uh <clears throat> that was the door slamming on the me too moment. yeah for sure here's the problem with that there are a lot of non-crazy non-entitled non-narcissistic women who are in danger or in harm's way yeah and their story needs to be heard. For sure. And their plight needs to be recognized. So don't fuck that up with your with your own narcissistic, weird craziness. So that's that's my problem. So yeah, so I'm glad. I'm glad that it worked out that way. I like Johnny Depp. I, I like him more now. I mean, I've only ever known him through his uh his acting roles, which is obviously not him. So to hear him actually utter a few things, he came across as very funny to me. Like he said a lot of stuff that was hilarious. She said nothing that was funny ever the entire trial. 
Now I didn't watch a lot of it. My wife watched every second of it every day. <laughs> every every second every day I'd hear something and I'm like, "What are you watching?" She's like, oh, "I'm watching the trial live, not the clips, not the funny clips that somebody put together." Just the, the raw trial. The raw, the raw, tr- raw yeah. trial all day every day. <laughs> I'm like, "Hmm, okay." The last time America did that together was OJ, Judge Ito. I didn't do it then either. I didn't I didn't watch the trial. Did you watch the chase? I watched the chase because I was in a bar downtown Austin, Texas, and everybody's looking this is this is pre phones when that happened. So everybody I, I walked into a bar, everybody's looking at the TV. I'm like, what's on the TV? And it's a chase and it's like who what's OJ? It was shocking because everybody loved OJ. If you've seen that documentary, if you're young, which, <laughs> you know. Like me. I can't imagine. Yeah, like, no, like you, you're you're young. You were probably, what, 10, 11 when that happened? I was 11 in 94. So you, I don't think you understand how much people of my generation loved O.J. Simpson. Like, he was a beloved. Uh, yeah. It'd be, like, it'd be like Jerry Seinfeld or somebody. Or Adam or, Seinfeld. <laughs> Yeah, or Jerry Jerry Sandler, uh, somebody like that, you know, was being chased. You'd be like, "What?" The documentary was great. It did help me understand that because my context for OJ. I know this sounds stupid, but just because I was eleven, my context was that's the guy from the National Lampoon movies, right? I didn't know him as an athlete at all, and I was confused by how dearly beloved he was by the by by Americans. I mean, I, when I was 10 or 11 or 12, he was running down the field and nobody could catch him. And right. it was like watching an amazing magician at work. It was just like, whoa, what is this? Well, incredible. speaking of mag- magicians at work, we're going to have to kick it now to the Secret Weekly and do some more illusions. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Do all the right things. And you know what? Have a nice time. Nice. <laughs>